Hey, it's Scott Petrick with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The NFL season is officially over with the Chiefs beating the Eagles in the final seconds of the Super Bowl. We also saw the announcement of Joe Thomas as part of the Hall of Fame Class of 2023. Before we can move on to what is sure to be a busy offseason, we need to put a lid on the 2022 season. Here to do that with me, as always, is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. What's going on, Chud? Scott, how are you? The Super Bowl was fantastic, man. Uh, especially if you got lucky and picked it right. <laughs> I know I was going to do that in the open. <laughs> I was going to do that in the open. You got it right. I felt good at halftime, though. Right? I mean, let's be honest. Regardless of who you picked in that one, I mean, it could have gone either way. We say that a lot, but at the end of the day, I I stick to my main point mm-hmm. is that the Chiefs had Patrick Mahomes, and you know. In in my mind, that obviously was a, a huge difference. Uh, not that Hurts didn't do great, but at the end of the day, uh, Mahomes and also the play calling. I thought Andy Reid's play calling in the second half was phenomenal. And then they had the big plays, you know, those different difference makers, the defensive touchdown and then the punt return. You know, those are the type of things that make the difference. Yeah, you're 100% right. I, like, I don't think Mahomes outplayed Hurts, uh, but the Chiefs outplayed the Eagles. And – to me, it came down to the second half when the Chiefs came back, which Mahomes and the Chiefs have shown they're more than capable of doing, you know, not whether it's the Super Bowl or the playoffs or whatever. I saw some crazy stats today just about how many postseason comebacks Mahomes has had. And even in the regular season, I think he has like a winning percentage near 60% um, when he's down by 10 points or more in games, which is unbelievable. Um, so anyway, so he played great in the second half. You're 100% right about Andy Reid's play calls. Talk about getting easy touchdowns with that fake motion um, that just got the Eagles twice, and they didn't have an answer for it. And then the big plays, the Hurts fumble for a touchdown, and the uh, the punt return, like you said, set up a whatever it was, six, nine-yard touchdown drive for the Chiefs. And when you lose by three points, those 14 points are obviously – the difference. So I was really impressed by Hertz. Um, I was impressed by the Eagles offense where I thought the difference was and where I was wrong about when I predicted it. I thought that the Eagles would be able to pressure Mahomes. Yes. And they just, I'm glad you brought that up. Yep. You know, I mean, they had 70 sacks during the regular season and they didn't get a sack and I don't know how many pressures they got, but it wasn't a lot and they just did not affect him. And that and that goes back to, and I, I don't remember exactly what we said about that, but I do remember that was a big point you made. And I agreed with you, the fact that they, they always got the sacks, it seemed like, from the front four. I was surprised that when they realized they couldn't get to them, they didn't try to dial up a few more blitzes maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't watch it with a keen eye to know exactly, you know, if, how many blitzes they may have had. But I just know that, you know, I knew during the whole game, you know, it felt like Mahomes was getting rid of the ball quickly. That's coaching. I think that I felt like when we talked last week in in my head, I was thinking Kansas City's a great team and and they can find a way to answer that to where maybe the Giants and other teams could not. Okay. So that that was a a big factor, no doubt. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I, I think yeah, that to me that was probably the biggest surprise for me is that the Eagles couldn't generate a pass rush, and if you don't do that against Mahomes. He's going to beat you. And you're right. I mean, I, I think maybe I – not that Nick Sirianni coached poorly. Um, I don't think he did. And, you know, you could probably criticize um, a few things that Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles coordinator who 
a fellow San Ignatius alum and just got the uh, Arizona Cardinals head job. You know, he was the yeah. coordinator, defensive coordinator for the Eagles. Um, you know, when we talk about that motion that fooled them inside the five a couple times, um, you could question that. But overall, I thought the Eagles were prepared and they, you know, they, they coached fine. But Andy Reid is a separator. Like when I was we were predicting the game, I mentioned Andy Reid and I, we talked about it. But maybe I didn't give enough credit to just how good a game plan he would have in the play calls in critical moments. You know, and he they came out running the ball because I think the Eagles said, hey, we're going to drop a bunch of guys in coverage because we don't want to get beat passing, which makes all the sense in the world. But the Chiefs were had some success running and didn't go away from it. Uh, and, and I think that set a tone that allowed the Chiefs to match the Eagles' early touchdown. Um, and then once Mahomes got, Mahomes got in a rhythm in that second half, then the Eagles really didn't have any answers for that. I got to ask you, too, and, and I don't watch the sports shows like I used to back when I was in the sports department. I mean, it used to be like a bloodline for me, right, like every <laughs> single day. I, st I still listen to the radio every day. I still see stuff but I don't make it a priority, especially on TV, because some of those shows, it's just nauseating now. They're just yelling and screaming at each other. Right. But uh, one thought, one thing I brought up to you, and I never heard it from anywhere else, and I'm wondering if you did, but I made it a big thing for me in our podcast with you, and it's it's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs thinking back to last year. I feel like they thought they got embarrassed losing yeah. last year, and that revenge factor I thought was huge, and I really think that was that's why I picked them to win it all. And yeah. I, I'm wondering, did you hear that anywhere else a lot? Do you think that was a factor? It's interesting, Chad. I, I, I didn't hear it on any kind of run-up to the game. Where I heard it was from the Chiefs after the game. Travis Kelsey okay. on the yeah. field is saying, nobody thought we'd get back to the playoffs, which I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure I had the Chiefs win in the NFC or the AFC West. Um, but maybe nobody – or maybe – they got predicted to win the Super Bowl a lot less than in the past because of the Ty Tyreek Hill trade, right? They had to cut some salary cap. They lost some other guys. But obviously, Hill was the biggest move, biggest offseason move, and maybe people thought, hey, they're not going to be the same team. And, yeah. and they took motivation from that. And I, I was surprised at how strong Travis Kelsey was. And he wasn't the only yeah. guy from the Chiefs saying that. And, you know, I, I have this discussion with one of my – beat writers, uh, one of the fellow beat writers about motivation, right? Like these guys take every insult to heart. And I kind of dismiss that sometimes, but this was just another example of when it's legit, or at least, you know, whether or not the reasoning is legit, the motivation felt legitimate mm -hmm. for Kelsey and the other Chiefs. Well, and, and part of it too also could have been how their division got strong. Remember at the beginning right. of the year, everyone felt like that was going to be the best division. The Broncos were going to be better. You know, the Chargers were one year better than, you know, yeah. in, to improve. And then, um, you know, the Raiders with uh, uh, getting Devontae Adams. So, you oh. know, maybe maybe they heard a lot more of it than we did. But um, no, that's a I good just, point. Yeah, I just – here's the bottom line, though. Uh, as far as – listen, you know, I've talked to a lot of people at work, especially people that go on FanDuel and DraftKings, and everyone's an expert nowadays, right? But <laughs> at the end of the day, you know – some of us got it right. Some of us got it wrong. But that game could have gone either way. I don't think picking either either team was a mistake because I think the Eagles proved that, you know, they're definitely, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's kind of cool. I know you don't because you would have liked to have won it. But we tied. We tied in our postseason picks. I can live with that, Chud. I would have liked to have gone out a winner. 
but I can live with tying you. And I don't feel <laughs> bad about the Eagles pick, um, right? No. All the, all the reasons you mentioned. They were in that game. They get the ball one more time. They easily could have won. They easily could have covered. Uh, what surprised me is I did watch a little of pregame, and there were a bunch, whether it was ESPN or Fox, which had the game, there were a bunch of Eagles by 10, Eagles by 14. I, I think there was wow. a presumption of this roster is just so much better. And we talked about that. That's why I picked the Eagles. Um, but I didn't pick them by 10, right? I thought it was a three-point game. We did talk about whether it would be high scoring or not. You thought it would be higher scoring than I did. Um, and then once you saw those first two possessions, you knew it was going to be high scoring, right? I thought maybe it would take a uh, while, take a while to get into it. They didn't take any time to get into it. My my, my only regret is, and I'm not going to lie, I I, I I did my you know 200 free bucks mm -hmm. from Fanduel a couple weeks ago. Um, I cashed out on it, and I'm like, I'm done. But Scott, on Sunday, I just I'm like, God, I have a. I really felt strongly about the Chiefs, and I told my wife, I'm like, I'm gonna just put, I, I, I took just a very little amount, and just for fun, and I, and I bet on the Chiefs because I felt strong about it. Where my regret is, is that I didn't do a parlay because yeah. I also put some money on the over. Yeah. I really loved the over, and I regret not just. I, I really, if I could do it over again, I would have put a lot on the over. I, I told a friend of mine who went to Vegas, and uh, I, I, I told her to put big on the over. And I think she uh, wrote me and said she put 300 on it oh, in good. Vegas and hit the over. Yeah. Nice. I, I just I, – I felt that game going – you know, that 51, I felt like it was a trap to get people to yeah. go under because it was such a high number. And I just – I know the Eagles' defense is great, but those were two great offenses. And um, I actually felt stronger about the over, I think, than the Chiefs. But yeah. I, I don't know. I just – but anyway, I cashed out. I'm, I'm done, at least till next time, right? <laughs> but, That's funny. Uh, yeah. That's funny. The, the over. Well, two things I want to throw at you real quick before we move on to Joe Thomas. Uh, number one, I watched the game with some friends, one who's a Brown season ticket holder, and I just looked at him. When Andy Reid called those plays, and those guys are wide open. And yeah. by the way, that offense can make, you know, if you're not in fantasy football, you probably haven't heard of Sky Moore. Um, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure Kadarius, Tony, people have maybe heard of, you know, coming over from the giants, but that offense makes guys, you don't need a Tyree kill because you, you, you obviously need Kelsey, but it's amazing that these other guys can step in and make plays. Reed designs these plays to make them wide open. And I just looked at my buddy and I go, why does Reed and other teams make it so easy? But if that's the Browns down there, they would have done like a double reverse. <laughs> they would have outthought themselves. They would have done something stupid to get 10 yards back, kick a field goal. Like, why can't the Browns just make it simple? Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Um, I mean, Reed's one of the best. And I think we forget when, whether it's Stefanski or whoever in Browns history, does it, right, design something and it does get a guy wide open? I mean, it happens. Um probably not as much as, you know, Browns fans would want or not as much as when Andy Reid's doing it. Um, that's certainly, you know, I, I think you're right about that. But I, to me, I look at it as the brilliance of Andy Reid. Having said that, it did cross my mind, like, these are some things that, you know, Kevin Stefanski, because he's a Browns coach, but other coaches, right, other play callers need to be aware of and need to, you know, they studied the Eagles and they caught them in that, when they go in hard motion and they switch corners, one guy goes hard to run across the field, and they got him out twice on that. And, you know, I, I would like to think that Stefanski would notice that watching film, right? Um, 
and exploit that as well. But it's certainly obvious when it happens twice on the biggest stage. There's no doubt. Yeah. All right. What What is your uh, elephant in the room? What's your take on the penalty? Because there weren't a lot of penalties in the game. And, and that obviously, uh, <laughs> that was a big deal. Yeah, um, it, it's interesting. And we talked a little about, a, about officiating, I think it was last time, Chad. And I had somebody in my mailbag say, hey, you know, you mentioned officiating and he asked me a question about that. Um, I thought it was a good call. I thought live it was a good call. I thought on replay it was a good call. I have no issue with a penalty in that situation. If it's a hold, it's a hold. And people, oh, the pass was uncatchable. The pass was uncatchable because the guy got held at the line of scrimmage. And if he's not, he runs under it and it's a touchdown. So I, I think it was the right call. I understand that it would have been more fun to watch if – it's a fourth down. They kick a field goal, and all of a sudden the Eagles have the ball with the chance to tie your win. Like, I get that. But you can't script the games, right? That's been this, you know, topic, you know, like a joke going around the social media is, you know, the NFL scripted. Um, you can't have that. It's real. And to me, it was the right call. And I saw another angle today from NFL Films that shows the blatant grab. And if that's not enough, Bradbury, the guy who got called for the penalty, said it was the right call. And just hoped he would yeah. get away with it. So in, in my <laughs> mind, like, I, I understand it's a big play. And I even understand th the discussion. I don't understand the, like, the fury over the call. To me, it was like a non-factor. It was an automatic call. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know, non-factor. I mean, because. I mean, like, I mean, it, you know, it was a huge <laughs> factor in the game. But, like, it's. It's a non-story. That's what I should say. If it would, you know if what it I mean? would have been called in this, if it would have been called in the second quarter, no one would have said a word. And, right? right, right. But yeah, like, it, I mean, it, you you have to call penalties with two minutes left in the game, right? You can't just stop yeah, calling right. penalties. I, yeah. I I think it's like I understand the discussion. I just think it was the right, right call, and that's the story. The story is it was the yeah. right call, and yeah, it stunk that the Chiefs could take two knees and kick a field goal, but that's how it was. I agree 95% with you. I totally <laughs> think it should have been called. No, I, I I think it should have been called. I think it was a penalty. It's a bummer that it happened when it happened. You you just said that. I agree with all of that. The one thing I'm going to take you to task on, are you 100% sure that if, if he got off clean, he would have caught that ball? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I don't I think know. It, I think it affects you that much. I, I think that's something – People miss. And I'm not saying I never miss it because that thought's gone through my head is, oh, that's an uncatchable ball. If you take away a guy's momentum just as he's coming out of his break, like, that's huge. You know, you watch the deep ball from that A.J. Brown catches. Like, he's not near the ball, and then he's then he's at the ball, right? Like, guys can close a lot of ground in this league if they're running full speed, and it took him longer to get up to full speed. So, yeah, I think, yeah. I, I think if okay. he doesn't catch it, it's a catchable ball for sure. I think it's a catchable ball. I don't agree with the uncatchable part of it. Yeah. I just, I, I, I want to, I would want to go back and watch it again before I would like, you know, bet my life on it or anything like that. So I, I, I I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah. I just, um, I don't know. I mean, when I watched it live, I, I just thought, hmm, can he get to that either way? But well, needless to say, it doesn't matter. And, and, and here's another thing. Give the Chiefs credit because if you go back to the Browns Jets game and it's a yep. different scenario. And I don't want to bring the whole thing up again because, listen, the Browns still should have won that game. 
even though Chubb scored the touchdown right. because all those other things had to happen. But perfect use of the clock and the prime example of when you take a knee and you, and you don't let your a team with that great of an offense come back and, and uh, win the game or tie or yeah win the game. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And the Eagles knew the Eagles wanted them to score a touchdown because they let him go. Right, like they, they let him go around yeah. the edge. They certainly wanted him to score. They thought their best chance of winning was the Chiefs scoring a touchdown. So that was the right move. Um, he did the right thing. And yeah, and I, yeah, again, you're right. That's another example of good coaching, knowing what to do. Um, they might—I don't know if they had a timeout before then, so they could regroup and tell everybody. Um, clearly, the right thing. And one more point on that officiating to call real quick. Yeah, it's a hold, so it doesn't matter if it's catchable or not. Like, it's not pass interference. Like, that's just me kind of rationalizing yeah. why it's the right call. But it, it doesn't have to be catchable for that. When they make that call, it has nothing to do with whether it's going to be catchable or not. So, um, what, Good what, point. What, one last thing on the Super Bowl, Joe, before we move on. I thought it was interesting. Sirianni is so aggressive. And people kill Stefanski around here. Some people kill Stefanski for going forward on fourth down and, you know, not taking the points. Sirianni. He didn't take any points. I mean, he went for touchdowns. He went on fourth downs a bunch. Um, and then there was one late Good in the point. game where he there's one late in the game where he didn't, and it was backed up, but he had third and two, and I think they threw incomplete, and then they punted on fourth and two. And I was surprised they punted. And I understand why, because it's late in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, but it felt like a little out of character there. And I was surprised that they didn't either run it on third and then go for it on fourth. Whatever, it was just a little out of character. But early in the game, he was as aggressive as anybody, and this is a Super Bowl coach. Um, so I, I thought that was I thought that was interesting. And the last thing, the NFL has to get rid of the sneak where you can put four guys behind the quarterback and push it. <laughs> right? Like it's an automatic first down. Like who needs to see that? Like every third and one or fourth and one should not be an automatic conversion. Um, so yeah. I get I get rid of that. You're allowed to push a guy from behind. Do you think do you think that that's going to happen or do you think every team's going to take that into their arsenal? You know, it's a good question. I actually was flipping through um the radio and I had Sirius NFL and they thought it should be outlawed because they think it's an unsafe play. They think there's too much force from the offense all whatever, nine guys pushing on the defensive front that they think somebody's going to get seriously hurt. So we could see it outlawed for a couple of reasons. And I'd never yeah. thought of that. And it, it, it kind of raised my eyebrows. Yeah, well, you know, when the Browns start winning with Stefanski and he's making those calls and risking, like, Seriani, no one's going to complain if it works and they win. So, sure. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, isn't isn't that kind of the difference? Um, which play that. were you talking about again? Uh, I'm, are you talking about late in the game when they punt, when they ended up punting? Yeah, they had – Um. Yeah. yeah, it was third and two. And they might have been on their own 30. And it was in the fourth quarter. And – it's just a situation that he's gone for it a lot this year. Yeah. And how it played out, and I heard Dan Orlovsky on ESPN saying he thought they should have run it on third down. If you don't get it, go for it again on fourth down. You're going to get a yard. Instead, I think they threw incomplete on third down and then punted on fourth and two. And nobody blinks because that's a normal punt, right? You're fourth and two on your own 30. But I think it was a little out of character for Sirianni, um, given what he did in the first half and given what he's done all season. Yeah, I thought, you know, the announcers were critical of Reed and, and the Chiefs, I think, for going for that field goal. They ended up missing yeah. that doinked off the crossbar. I, I don't know. I, I think that was the right call at that point of the game. I think you got to kick the field goal there. 
Uh, obviously, you missed it. You'd like to have it back, but I don't know. I mean, at that stage of the game, I think you got to kick a field goal. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the debate. That's a little old school, new school. Chud Sirianni would have yeah. gone for it. I was a little surprised Reed kicked. I was. Um, Reed is more conservative in that situation than you would think. With Mahomes, um, you'd think he'd go more than he does. Maybe he does. Maybe he takes the points because he knows Mahomes can, you know, put up a ton later. Uh, but it's interesting because he's got so you know the play calls and Mahomes. I would think he'd be this super aggressive guy, and he's not from a fourth down perspective. Yeah. Wow, what a game, though. I mean, that was uh, – before we move on real quick, uh, we don't have a ton of time. Uh, commercials, halftime show, any thought on any of that? Um, no, nah, I mean, I you know, I paid attention. I thought Rihanna was good. I, I tell you what, I could not be up in the air. I don't care if you're bolted <laughs> in. I would not have been up be able to be up in the air like that. Um, commercials, I thought there were a couple that, you know, had me chuckle. Um, but nothing yep. unbelievable. Yeah, I said on the air the other morning on uh, Monday on, on uh, Go on Channel 3, cheap plug. Um, I think now I go into the, the, um, the commercials with low expectations because to me they're not anywhere near what they used to be yeah. when, uh, you know, when we were younger. And I feel that, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I just go in with lower expectations and I thought they were actually not bad. Like, okay. I, I was actually, you know, surprised or happy with them because I didn't go in with the expectations. Whereas, you know, when I was younger and through 20s or what, I don't know when, I'm not sure when they stopped being amazing to me, but do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. have the high expectations anymore. No, I think that's interesting. I think you're right about that. Yeah. So, um, all right, uh, let's finish up here. We got about five minutes. Uh, let's talk a little Joe Thomas. Uh, you got a chance to uh, talk with him today. Uh, we talked last week uh, before we found out for sure, but we pretty much taped it as if we knew it was going to happen, and yeah. and, it, and it did. I mean, he gets in on his first try. Uh, congratulations, Joe Thomas. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's great for Joe. I think it's great for Browns fans, right? Something to celebrate. Um, you know, he, he's just a class act, right? He's When he got it, when he got in, the videos he would record – um, the video they showed of Walter Jones knocking on his door and his kids going crazy. You know, we made it, Dad, from his son. Um, Joe got emotional. I mean, he even got emotional today. We talked to him on Zoom. We're taping this Wednesday night. Um, the beat writers, Cleveland beat writers, talked to him on Zoom today. And there's a story on bronzone.com. And he got emotional just thinking about it. Like, he didn't cry, but he got choked up real quick. And he says he still gets He says he's watched the video 100 times and he still um, gets emotional about it. So obviously it means so much to Joe, um, you know, a career that individually everything went his way until the late injury. But from a team standpoint, nothing went his way. I, I think this is kind of like the, I don't know what the right word is, not the eraser, but it it, it kind of justifies everything, right? It maybe evens out the score that, hey, this is, I did all I could, and this is the proof of that. I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, you know, it's well-deserved. I think what's funny, Chuck, you know, I knew he would know ahead of time, right? He didn't know how far in advance he would know, but he said he wanted to find it out on January 27th. So I talked to him like four days later, and and he wasn't allowed to let on. So I said something like, well, will you find out ahead of time? He's like, yeah. He goes, you know, you got to tell us so we know how to plan for, you know, if we're going to Arizona or not. Well, you know, he knew he was in, but he wouldn't let on. And, you know, I think people respect the process, but it's kind of interesting that 
you know, nobody, it doesn't get out, right? That yeah. it's not only Joe, was, it's I'm Darrell Revis or whoever else. I'm glad you brought that up because we were talking about that at work. And uh, I, I actually forgot that's how they, I, I, I forgot that's how they did it. And, you know, and then when it, when it happened and I saw the video of him at his door, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's how they do it, right? Um, but I, 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 my first reaction was in the day and age we live in with Twitter and social media and nothing stays hidden. It's impressive that this does. It really is amazing. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, it's credit to those players, credit to their families. Um, you know, I, I know that they keep it tight. And I don't think Joe, I don't know if they told, I can't remember if he told his family, you know, his like in-laws and his parents and stuff. I, I don't know if they knew um, before Thursday night, but obviously he kept it tight, even if they knew. And then, you know, I'm sure there's people involved. There's a ton of people involved with the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, Walter Jones, he could have told people, but it just stays, it stays, um it's a secret. And I think that, I think that's kind of cool. You know, when I listened to him talk and I didn't hear today, um, but I've heard enough. Okay. Over the last, you know, yeah. week, uh, when I hear him talk about how much it means to him and his, his excitement, and this is not a knock on other people because I, I think there's probably a lot of hall of famers that just assume they'd get in and it was, uh, they just knew it was going to happen. I'm sure he probably knew it was going to happen. That, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I feel like he genuinely really appreciates it and and almost has a reaction of, man, I'm, I'm really grateful. I didn't take this for granted. That's what it is. I think yeah. maybe maybe some people might take it for granted, even though you shouldn't. And I'm not, I'm not thinking of any one person. Right. I'm just saying when I hear his reaction – I'm really listening to a guy who just really is thankful and, and didn't take it for granted. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think you can contrast it with guys who've had to wait, right? Like Zach Thomas, he had to wait a while. And like he broke down in tears. He saw Jimmy Johnson in his house, and he breaks down immediately. Well, there's a buildup there of disappointment, right? He didn't get in the first year, however many years it was. Um, Joe didn't have any of that disappointment. And it was, as he hoped, as he expected, first ballot guy, yet he still had that sense of awe, that sense of wonder. And yeah, and that, I'll tell you what, not only did it came through throughout everything he did all weekend and every interview he did, all that, and then still came through today. Like He talked about meeting Orlando Pace and what a thrill for him it was. They met at the Super Bowl. He was one of his kind of left tackle idols. Seeing Anthony Munoz again. He goes, yeah, we've known each other, but seeing him there. And then he talked about the Merlin Olsen luncheon, which is the Friday, so it's the day after it gets announced. And there's all the Hall of Famers. or not, you know, however many can get there. So there's 70, 75. And then they announce the new class and they introduce them. And he said just the welcoming from everybody in that room and looking around and seeing all the gold jackets, he said he, he got weak in the knees. And he, like, they asked him a question. He goes, I don't know what I said. I probably didn't even sound, you know, didn't even come across right just because he was so overcome by <laughs> by the moment, right? And it, it was, yeah. was kind of like one of those – it was like a series of those moments and events like for the last – well, starting January 27th and then throughout the weekend in Arizona. Yeah, I heard him on the radio say that it was like you he went back to like it being a little kid and seeing all the players, like meeting guys or not, yeah. you know, or seeing guys that he 
watched as a kid and it was like surreal to him. He couldn't, be- he couldn't believe he was part of that group. You right. know? Yeah. And he um, said, now but- they feel like he, he goes, now they know I'm a part of it. So they're asking me questions. They want to know more about me. Um, and this is coming from, you know, guys that grew up idolizing. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, who's going to be his presenter? He doesn't know. He said he meant to ask guys in Arizona, other hall of famers, um, you know, why'd you pick this guy? Why'd you pick this person? Um, any suggestions or recommendations for going about picking his presenter? And he said he forgot about it. <laughs> There's too much stuff going on. He forgot to kind of do his <laughs> reconnaissance. So um, he said the couple of guys he has talked to either in the past or whatever, you know, they're in a, a different situation because they've had one coach for their whole careers or one owner or one, you know, quarterback, whatever. And Joe had so much turnover at the Browns that um, he doesn't know. He said he's not far enough along the process to even know who the candidates are. Um, so it'll be interesting to, to see who you pick. Cause that's a, you know, that's an important position being the presenter. Sure. Anything else on Joe Thomas for, I uh, asked the last topic here. No, we're good, but okay. Any Browns news, assistant coaches, uh, a- anything with the team here before we uh, pack it up? Yeah. Um, we're going to have some coaching staff, movement nothing major it should be hopefully announced by the end of this week uh chris kiffin the d-line coach is going to the texans to be the linebacker coach jeff howard the secondary coach is going to the chargers to be their linebackers coach so there's a couple vacancies on the defensive staff which i think is fine and it gives jim schwartz the new coordinator some room to bring in maybe a couple of his guys or at least have a say and part of his staff, especially the D-line, which we know is such a key part of Schwartz's defense, I, I think it's important that he has a guy on the same page with him from scheme and just, you know, fundamental standpoint. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, we need to keep an eye on Drew Petzing. Uh, he coached quarterbacks this year. He was a tight ends coach two years before that. Jonathan Gannon and him are tight, so – Gannon could hire him as his coordinator. I don't think it, anything's been official with that yet. Um, but I know when Kevin Stefanski made Petsing the quarterback coach this year, it was to get him some experience in a big-time role coaching the quarterback in case he got a chance to be a coordinator. So that's a possibility. Um, and then the Browns would have to you know, either figure out who to hire as a quarterback coach or just let Alex Van Pelt fill that role, kind of like he did with Baker. All right. Well, there you have it. I yeah. the season's now over. We've we've hit the point. We have our Super Bowl champ. Uh, I don't know. Last thing I guess I'll ask you is, you know, and we've talked about this many times. How close or far away yeah. are our Cleveland Browns from from the Super Bowl? Yeah, it's tough, and I, I've fallen back on this. I'm going to say I think they're close to being a playoff team, right? Like I think they were capable this year. It feels like there's a ways to go to be a Super Bowl team and to compete with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the AFC. Now, the key is Deshaun Watson playing somewhere close to that level. You know, is he Patrick Mahomes? No. Could he be Jalen Hurts? Could he – not could he be Jalen Hurts. Could he play like Jalen Hurts played this year? Yeah. I mean, that's why the Browns went and got Deshaun Watson and gave up all the draft picks and paid him all that guaranteed money is because he has that skill set. And, you know, Hurts looked outstanding throwing the ball in the Super Bowl, made about four or five throws that were lights out. 
that really impressed me because I didn't know he had that in him necessarily. Um, but we've seen that out of Watson, right? Led the league in passing in 2020. So if Watson plays at that level as a top five, seven quarterback, then the Browns are a playoff team, can be a playoff team. And then it just comes down to, you know, do you play your best in the big moments? Do you do you patch the holes on your roster? Do you coach well in the playoffs, right, to give yourself a chance um, to make it to the Super Bowl? Now, I would never say coming off back-to-back, you know, missing the playoffs and going 7-10, and 10, but, yeah, the Browns are a Super Bowl team. And when you watch Patrick Mahomes, it's hard to do that. But I would probably argue that it's not as far away as the pessimists think. Mm. How about in the division, though? I mean, yeah. I, it, the Steelers are going to be better. The Bengals were you know, right, right there again at the door of the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, never count out the Ravens. Yeah, so I mean, even in your own, even in your own division. No, I mean you're right, Chad. It, it's hard, right? I mean the Browns finished last in the division, right? But they beat all three teams in the division at this this year. They beat two of them with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Um, you assume Deshaun Watson's going to play better than Brissett and much better than Watson played in the final six games, given the rust factor, right? Given more time with Stefanski, given what you would expect to be an improved um, receiving core, maybe even an improved tight end group. So, yeah, I get it. You know, when you look at the Bengals and Joe Burrow and they're a play away from beating the Chiefs, I, I completely get that. And maybe the Browns, if they got back to the playoffs, would need uh, to stumble in the playoffs before, you know, the next year they were ready to take that leap. But, uh, you know, again, it comes back to Watson. And and this may sound cliche, but if your quarterback plays great, you're going to win a bunch of games, right? And when Joe Burrow plays great, the Bengals win. And when Mahomes plays great, the Chiefs win. And Lamar Jackson's the same way, right? So I think Watson is is better than Kenny Pickett. I think you can make an argument with him and Lamar Jackson on the same level, assuming Jackson stays in Baltimore, and Burrow's better. But is he night and day better where you can't beat the Bengals ever? No. You, but you need better tackles. You need better receiver, right? You need to be coached better on defense, right? Your defense needs to make a huge jump. So, yeah, I would never say that that close. But um, but I, I, I just don't I, – I just think they can be in the mix. I, I really do, just given the talent, given what they did in 2020, and given the potential for Watson to play at a high level. All right, Scott, it's been a heck of a year. Uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm still locked out of Twitter. Uh, hopefully, okay. I'll get back on there uh, next time we talk. But uh, anyway, uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I'm sure we'll be doing this soon because, as we know, the NFL is like uh, 11 – 11 months out of the year, right? Yeah, I was going to say, Chad, I don't want you to get too comfy. Um, I'll give you next week <laughs> off. I'm going to go on vacation. Um, All right. Play a little golf. But then the combine's the week after. Like, I think the combine's uh, February 28th. Yeah. So right, right. whether or not we talk that week um, from Indianapolis or the following week and we kind of catch up on the combine and preview free agency, I mean, free agency's a month. Like, it's, free agency's exa- – I think it's exactly a month from now is yeah. when you can sign players. So – we're going to have plenty to talk about. Can I can I take a vacation over spring break? Would that yes. be allowed? You're good. All right. Just give All me right. the Just dates ahead slump. of time. Put it on the calendar. <laughs> 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 I, I appreciate that. All right. Well, good luck golfing, man. I yeah. you, you deserve it. Uh, you know, who, you know, obviously people who listen to this and read, you know, uh, 
uh, the great job that you do and the dedication that you put in. Uh, you know, you're one of the hardest workers around. So you definitely deserve a week off, my man. <laughs> I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for uh, another good season. And yeah, we'll talk to you soon. This has been another episode of the Zone Coverage Podcast. You can read all my work at brownzone.com. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot.